Welcome to the Command Q&A podcast. I'm Paul Peluso, the editor of Officer Magazine. I'm joined today by Branch County, Michigan Sheriff John Pollock to talk about recruiting or retention challenges. Thank you for joining us today, Sheriff Pollock. Good morning, and, and thanks for having me. I appreciate that. Sheriff Pollock took the lead of the Branch County Sheriff's Office in 2013 and also serves on the Board of Governors of the Small and Rural Law Enforcement Executives Association. So, Sheriff Pollock, if you can first just talk a little bit about the area that you um, your department serves in and some of the challenges that you guys face with uh, manpower and budgeting. Uh, well, our uh, our particular county is in south, so the extreme southern part of um, Michigan, and we border Indiana and Ohio. Uh, and uh, we are a predominantly an agricultural community. We have about 520 square miles of patrol area. It's mostly, ag- as I said, agricultural. Uh, we do have a couple of cities. One is about a 12,000. That's our county seat, Coldwater. And then we have a second city that's about 2,500 folks and then a couple of villages. So uh, predominantly, we are uh, a farm or ag community. And um, some of the problems that that causes for us is, of course, is anytime we try to go for a millage, which a lot of departments do to augment their law enforcement, uh, it falls on the shoulders of the few farmers who own the largest uh, land uh, portions of the county. So so it's a little bit uh, unfair, if you will, for them because they get have to shoulder the expense that uh, typically would be spread around in a more urban community. Uh, and some of the challenges that we face uh, with the current uh, misrepresentation of law enforcement, uh, which has really caused a lack of applications, and you couple that with low pay, especially for the smaller offices uh, like ours who have tighter budgets, and then we have agencies right next door who have more funding and, and offer better pay and benefit benefits. They, they, and now are actually going out to the academies to recruit. And for smaller agencies who don't have those kinds of budgets, this is tough. You know, we don't have the ability to send people out to these job fairs and and those kinds of things to recruit people. Um, on the recruitment side, uh, probably our best recruitment tool, tool is word of mouth from our staff talking to to their acquaintances and the benefits of this are, of course, are applicants who um, have a better understanding of what we're getting into. They also uh, have had success uh, in recruiting students from our local intermediate school districts criminal justice program. And these students uh, actually do an internship with us and both in the jail and on the road and experience firsthand what the job has to offer. So we've tried recruiting them through uh, which has been working out uh, really good for us because they already have an idea of what they're getting into. And then we do also offer uh, take-home cars, which a lot of departments in this area don't do, and that's that's one asset that we have to kind of counteract the low budget, uh, low pay, and, and low uh, benefic- benefits that we offer. So if you can talk a little bit about um, – I know you – I know that you guys went through um, deep budget cuts back, I believe, 10 years ago um, and and how the the department has changed manpower wise and what the staffing levels currently are. Yeah, yeah about in 2013, uh, we had 23 deputies uh, that worked here and on the road. And uh, when we got when we began 2013, we were cut to eight. So we had to go from 23 deputies, 24-7, to eight deputies, and we eventually had to cut out our night patrol because those deputies just couldn't handle it. Uh, now, we did get augmented uh, by the state police who came in and said they, they would help as much as they could, and 
and uh, they have been very good at trying to help out. But again, the sheriff is responsible for the law enforcement in Michigan for all the residents within his county. So if the state can't be here, for some reason they get called to another jurisdiction or they get called out of the county, the sheriff is left to cover that. And, and I have eight people to do that. Uh, those folks are split up into two four-man shifts. Uh, one group works one set of days, and then when they're off, the another group, another platoon comes in and covers. Now, you couple that with the fact that we have courthouse security, we have inmate transfers for both the courts and for doctor's appointments and to and from prison. These officers have to handle that. They have to handle their complaint load. So they get inundated uh, with complaints, and there are complaint uh, log our our uh, what's the word I'm looking for our backlog of complaints for these guys is like six feet long, so they have a hard time trying to keep up with their complaint load plus do all these other things, and it's very very taxing, which also helps and doesn't help because now folks are going, wow, I need to move somewhere else, I just can't take this pressure. So those are some of the things that we have gone through uh, because of the shortage. So how many members of the uh, staff do you guys have in total? Uh, right now, we are up to 10. So in 2016, we uh, were allowed to hire two more deputies. So we have uh, one, uh, two sergeants and eight deputies okay. split into two four-man platoons. Okay. And basically, what, if you can talk a little bit more about the competition that you guys uh, face from neighboring agencies, not only in your county, but in neighboring counties and in neighboring states as well, because you guys have a couple of states that are close by. Right. We've had, uh, well, the problem for us, of course, is uh, that when we went through those cuts, um, it was really, of course, really hard on our agency, but, but up until very recently, we were the lowest paying agency in the county and in uh, probably the four state or four counties that surround us including the two counties down in uh, Indiana and one in Indiana one in Ohio. And we were paying less than even some of our villages within our own county were paying their officers. So uh, being, being that uh, the state adds an additional, being that we're a border state adds the additional avenue for our officers to uh, explore, because even though most states have their own standards uh, for law enforcement officers, that they have to meet before they can be hired, uh, those avenues now or those uh, those standards now are being waived and uh, some cases completely waived. In some cases, there's a uh, an expedited uh, process that they can go through to get through these requirements without having to meet the full uh, academy requirement that used to be in place. So now it's much easier for our folks who only live a mile from the from the border to say, gosh, I can move, I can move down to Indiana and get a lot more money, better benefits. I'm still close to my family. Uh, you know, I'm still close to where I work and where I live, or it's just far enough down. They can move down there and still, again, be close to their family and, and have those same benefits that they uh, had before by living, you know, locally. During your 10 years as, sher as sheriff, um, what kind of trend have you seen as far as retirements and have you guys had an issue of uh, filling those positions after deputies retire? Well, it, it, as, and that's a good question because uh, as, because of the shortness that we have uh, most folks who would typically stay 
you know, well, in a smaller community, they typically stay longer uh, in employment at a law enforcement agency uh, because the pace is sometimes a little bit slower. But when you're as short as we are, and as I just said a minute ago, uh, our backlog of complaints per officer is about yeah. six feet long. Uh, those there's a lot of pressure, and uh, after a while, these guys get to the point where they just can't keep up, and they just say, you know what, I'm I'm going to cash in my money and I'm going to retire. Uh, and just for the reasons we've been talking about, now I have to replace that person, and I'm having to replace more and more because more and more of them are saying, you know, it's been 10 years, we're not getting anywhere, uh, it's time to either retire or move on. Uh, it makes it more that difficulty is just exasperated by these folks now wanting to retire earlier than they probably would have if we would have had uh, what the other counties around us are able to offer. And with not only um, having deputies that decide to retire, but maybe move on to other departments, maybe bigger departments that can pay more, um, you know, you guys are a smaller department. Have you found it difficult now and in the past to convince deputies to want to stay within your community? Well, certainly. Uh, it's not so bad uh, for us. One, a couple of things that make it nice for us is that uh, with a smaller agency, uh, if we hire and we try to hire more localized folks, uh, because we do that, we're able to have a relationship with our officers that, uh, you know, somebody in a big department won't have. We, you know, we work alongside our, our guys. We work along. We go to the range with them. We train with them. So we have that relationship, a different relationship than, say, a larger department like in Wayne County in Detroit where, you know, you never see the sheriff. Well, here, you know, I'm here every morning when they come to work. I'm here. Uh, I go to the briefings with them. We just got off the range together. So those kinds of things I think a lot of folks look at uh, and say, hey, you know, I want that as opposed to just being a number at some department. In fact, uh, we have two officers uh, that we just hired back from. Wayne County, which is up by Detroit, uh, they came back here because they left here, went to Detroit, looked at it, said, oh, no, that's not what I want. They came back and they're very happy and they're doing a great job here. So um, we do have that uh, going for us. And I think we also are able to offer them things like the drone patrol. We also have a dive team and we have a SWAT team, those kinds of things. We can offer that to them it's actually part of their job. Whereas if they went to a larger department, they would have to wait years uh, to to apply or even be uh, considered for those positions. Here, it's a part of your job. You're going to get the training and you're going to be a part of that. We don't do it as much, but we do it enough to keep them interested. So during your time as sheriff and during your time with the agency, um, how have you seen recruiting change? Uh, you know, different things that you guys have had to do, um, maybe change the tactics when it comes to trying to lure recruits in. How has that changed as a whole? Well, it, it's really been a drastic change. Uh, yeah. We've gone from requiring academy certification before you could even apply. Uh, now we're developing, and we used to have to develop criteria uh, to scale down the volume of applications we had. We'd get so many about so many applications that we'd have to say, okay, we only take uh, those applications that meet this criteria and then pare those all down. And now we're having to develop recruitment strategies. You know, we have to attend job fairs. We have to try to uh, figure out how to draw these guys in um, to to our department to even get their application. 
we're now even paying for prospective applicants to attend an academy and we're paying them a wage while they go. And for us, that's a real risk because being in a smaller agency, they complete the academy, they come back here and they say, oh, no, I don't like this. So they move to either a, a bigger department or another department closer to where they want to be. And we've paid for their training. So that's a real risk for us. Uh, so, you know, that, that's been a big change. Uh, we used to be able to just, they used to be lined up and now there's no one. So in, in just just a couple final questions here. Can you talk a little bit about the Small and Rural Law Enforcement Executives Association and uh, and about what that organization is doing to help smaller uh, departments like, like yours and provide training and assistance? Well, uh, as I said in the past, the biggest issue for sheriffs and, and chiefs of smaller agencies is uh, we're a working part of our organization. Uh, we're often heavily involved in the day-to-day -day operations, the patrolling, answering complaints, doing administrative law or legwork. Uh, we don't have the time, nor do we have the staff, that we can dedicate to making our voice heard on a national level, leaving us, uh, in many cases, to feel really underrepresented and, and, frankly, left out of any national discussion on law enforcement needs and challenges entirely. And, you know, we of all folks, because we don't have that, ability we need to have somebody speak for us and and Srila small rural law enforcement executive association is being uh, our eyes and ears and they're actively out advocating through their contacts with agencies like the Department of Justice the FBI federal legislators because of those contacts we're now seeing an interest in hearing our concerns because of Srila I and some of my counterparts from across the country have been involved in Zoom and phone conversations with these agencies I just talked about directly. Now, I could never do that from sitting in my patrol car out here in rural Michigan. Um, but we we've seen some um we've seen some uh, benefits from that because recently uh, we've seen their training programs, they're now putting out training programs specifically for small and rural agencies. Uh, we've seen an interest in reducing the red tape that's required to apply for some of these resources or these grants that they offer, as well as, and this is a big one, cutting the amount of uh, mandated time, time-consuming follow-up reporting that's required uh, after these grants and resources are awarded. Uh, you know, we it's really difficult for us to come in off the road and then be faced with, geez, I've got to fill all this out in order to uh, you know, say to them, hey, I'm using your grant appropriately. So we've seen some interest on their part to say, hey, we can cut some of that back for you. And that's all because of Srila being out there for us. That's great. And is there anything else uh, that you'd like to share with us about, um, you know, recruiting and retention and some of your guys' challenges that we may not have touched on? Uh, no, I think we've touched on most everything. I, I, it's, I just hope that folks, uh, especially those folks in the uh, national level, uh, can really take a look at uh, our issues. Uh, we don't, we're not able to go up there and talk directly with these folks. And uh, we have the same challenges, but a 1% reduction in a 500 or a five or two, 3,500 man department is different than a 1% reduction in eight deputies. Uh, that makes, that's a big hit for us. 
uh, we're bar- we're barely getting by now, and now you take another deputy away from us, and I couldn't even cover the day shift adequately. So, yeah, I hope that by reading these articles that they say, hey, there's there's a real niche out there that we need to start addressing for those small sheriffs and small uh, city departments. Well, I'd like to thank everyone for listening to this episode of the Officer uh, Command Q&A podcast. And if you have any questions, you can reach me at editors at officer.com and see you next time and take care.